0: It's time for our delicious and customary lunch.
1: Yes, hubby. What are we having?
0: Why, the same thing we always have. Unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks.
1: Mmm, my favorite. I think I'll have the minestrone today since I had the Italian wedding soup yesterday.
0: I think I shall join you. What scrumptious breadsticks we've been given today. Oh look, it's our friend Charlie.
1: Okay, what the
2: heck is going on? Uh, what are we doing here? Here? In the restaurant? Yeah, in this... restaurant. I was just about to eat something home-cooked, and then poof, I'm in my actual nightmare.
0: What is... home-cooked?
2: Okay, neither of you seem to remember. I need to figure out how we got here. We need to leave.
1: But we must never leave the noodly embrace of the Lord of Olives.
0: His word is Gospitaliano.
1: You two need to snap out of it.
2: Oh, oh no, it's it's starting to affect me too. I, I'm starting to feel like I belong. This weird manufactured sense of kinship. Because we are here, and thus, family. No, snap out of it. You have to pay for the dipping sauce here. That's ridiculous. And there's no cooking school in Tuscany. It's all a sham.
0: Whoa, what's going on? Oh, I don't even like this soup.
2: Oh. Are we in... uh Yes, but we're leaving now. We're going to get out of here, go get some coffee, and talk about comics.
3: Yes!
1: I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earths.
0: The podcast where nothing will ever be the same.
1: Welcome, readers, to our final House of M episode.
0: We're the M portion.
1: Mm-hmm. And we have with us here a special guest. Yay! <laughs> yes. Hello.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Charlie. The last name is Davis. If you're like that and you want that information, you may know me from comics, comics, Twitter, or X-Men Twitter, or more importantly from my podcast, The Young Ones, where me, my partner Mikey, and our good friend now, Reed, all talk about teen superhero teams and why we love them.
0: Yes, you may also know Charlie from the successful Kickstarter, The Guide to Exceptional Baking, which is done and being fulfilled as we speak.
2: I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, see, the funny part about uh, shipping out everything once you finish the Kickstarter is the post office has extremely particular hours, which happen to be 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and a small window on Saturday, in which I also work 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday (laughs) through Friday (laughs) when the post office is closed, so... I've been slowly getting everything out. I feel kind of bad that it's taken so long, but like I'm the only one shipping the product. So I'm just like, I guess I'll go to the post office. I made a friend at the post office, though, so that's fun.
0: Oh, you've got an in.
2: I do. He's been giving me like really great shipping prices. So, you know, shout out to you, Bobby.
1: <laughs> Way to go,
2: Bobby.
0: Way to go, Bobby.
1: <laughs> you may also remember Charlie from the Acts of Friendship. Because they were on oh, that's our right. Charlie, episode. You were on that episode too. Then, I was back in November. And I was on Charlie and Mikey's episode of Acts of Friendship on the Young Ones. Mm-hmm. We had a sleepover or a pseudo sleepover. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a good time. It's the best kind of sleepover because you got to sleep in a comfortable bed at the end of it. It's true. I
2: remember <laughs> trying to sleep on like I flashback to like trying to sleep on like my friends' floors or like having my friend sleep on my floor when I was a kid and I was like why would you ever do
1: that it just seems upsetting You're like mm-hmm. I slept in too many armchairs it was actually like just like fetal position in an armchair was my sleepover jam we no. just put
2: blank. <laughs> we just put blankets and pillows on the floor and then I'm just like now if someone' was like hey I'll put some blankets and pillows on the floor for you but like I'm out of here I'm going home
0: <laughs> I'm a, I'm an adult <laughs>
1: What am I doing here?
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, like, if people want to, like, meet up for, on, on, like, trips or something, I need to, like, scope the place out. I'm <laughs> like, w- I am not a teenager. I am not sleeping on a hard ground. <laughs> yeah. Someone's like, like I, can sleep. I
1: can sleep anywhere. Well, that's good for you. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have to sleep on the floor recently. Our three-year-old got the flu. and. Oh. You know, his his bed was not suitable for sleeping after he got sick. So we cuddled together on the floor of his bedroom, and I hope to not have to do that again for a really long time. You were that afraid, sounds though. sweet, though. <laughs> that sounds sweet. That sounds like you were a trooper, though.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, that was the narrative I told myself. I got a lot of padding ready for myself, hoping I could kind of make his bed all right for him. No, he just wanted to sleep on the on the floor with me. So we had to spread out that padding. Floor, floor party. It's fine. Floor party. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, are we ready to get into the summary?
1: Yes. Summary.
0: House of M number seven. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Penciled by Olivier Quapel, Inked by John Dell, Scott Hanna, and Tim Townsend. Colored by Frank Demata and Paul Mounts. Lettered by Chris Eliopoulos. Edited by Tom Bravort.
1: As the heroes duke it out with the House of Magnus crew, with Rogue taking a particular main stage after absorbing many powers, the astral form of Doctor Strange goes to check on Wanda. See, the body that she had with the House of Magnus crew was a fake, and her real body is playing with her sons. Doctor Strange begins to ask Wanda questions, as their friends are, of course, beating each other to a pulp downstairs.
0: Wanda explains via cool flashback powers that after Pietro's chat with Magneto in issue one, he went to check on his bedridden sister. Pietro told Wanda that they could run further away, but Wanda knows that the Avengers would find her. They continue speaking about how much they loved being Avengers and how Wanda wishes she could take back her Avengers disassembled actions. Pietro coaxes her to in fact do that, as with Xavier in her mind, she could really do anything. Pietro continues that if she doesn't make everyone happy, that the Avengers would kill her. So really, Quicksilver is the bad guy here.
1: Emma asks via telepathy if Wanda knows where Xavier is, before Wanda is suddenly shot with an arrow. An angry Hawkeye confronts Wanda about, you know, killing him and then bringing him back to life before she disintegrates him with her powers. She is sadly not in control.
0: Meanwhile, Magneto is Layla Millerized, and while Pietro whoops up on our heroes, Magneto steps in to confront him, rightfully saying that Pietro has destroyed everything. Magneto hurls chunks of metal at Pietro again and again, smashing him to a bloody pulp. But a furious Wanda emerges from the tower, removing Magneto's ability to speak. As the crew telepathically debates what to do next, Wanda heals Pietro, then admonishes Magneto for his mutant supremacist views. She states that Magneto chose his mutant supremacy over his own children and this is what ultimately resulted. Finally, Wanda says the famous words of this crossover, no more mutants, and we fade to white again.
1: House of M number 8, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Olivier Coupel, inked by John Dell, Scott Hanna, and Tim Townsend, colored by Frank D'Amata, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, and edited by Tom Brevoort.
0: Much like Issue 2, this is best presented to start as a bulleted list, we think. Anyway, the world is theoretically back to normal, with some marked exceptions.
1: Peter Parker is back to being married to Mary Jane, but is pretty messed up about the whole House of M thing.
0: Layla Miller wakes up like normal, but might be late for school.
1: The New Avengers have a meeting to discover that only the people present at the final confrontation seem to remember anything, so Iron Man and Cap don't remember.
0: Doctor Strange is pretty messed up.
1: Emma Frost and Wolverine wake up on the Xavier School lawn, where tons of students and staff, including Danny Moonstar and Bobby Drake, have lost their powers.
0: Wolverine remembers everything about his life.
1: Emma Frost uses Cerebro to look for mutants around the world, of which most have seemingly lost their powers. Less than 200 remain. Emma also can't find Wanda Maximoff or Charles Xavier. News pours in across the globe about the loss of mutants, while Doctor Strange laments his failure as Sorcerer Supreme, as he did nothing to prevent this, and also cannot locate Wanda.
0: Iron Man gets a signal that someone is at the destroyed Avengers Mansion, and when the new Avengers investigate, they only find the -the arrowed-to-the-wall costume of Hawkeye. The X-Men track a depowered Magneto to Genosha, where Wolverine angrily interrogates him about the locations of his children. Magneto says nothing, as we get a few final shots. We see a happy Wanda living that Beauty and the Beast provincial life. Finally, as Hank Pym narrates, we see that the mutant energy that has been wrested about from the depowered mutants floats along in Earth's orbit, with an unknown future reaction set to occur. But seriously, where the heck is Charles Xavier? All right, well, House of M is all done, and this is the sad part. Oh,
2: man. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's really rough. And you, like, you sometimes forget because it was so long ago, um, just what the end of this story does and like the impact that it has and it's like it house events like the like the event where it says nothing will ever be the same again except for now when they say that it doesn't mean anything, but it definitely did here.
0: Yeah, this is maybe the last time that it's meant that,
1: to yeah. be honest. I agree. It started off pretty serious and I feel like we had a lot of a lot of fun in the middle. Episode two was a lot of fun.
0: And <laughs> do you remember the episode two times?
1: The episode two times; those were good times. It was lighthearted. A lot of, lot of what a if, what ifs going on.
0: A lot of making fun of Peter Parker. Yeah, you, you don't want to do that at the end of the story. No. no. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's it's rough. It's um, it, I have a complex relationship with this story because I think that it's a really cool. Glimpse into something that we see sometimes, but not a lot. It's hard to execute a um a, a, a alternate universe story, mostly because it takes a lot of uh, what I want to say. It takes a lot of thought and like skill and execution to find out what is constant about these characters across universes, to make them still feel like themselves even if they aren't. Not so much here because everybody snaps out of it pretty quick. But, you know, in in other stories, like, say, Age of X-Men that's going on now, it, it takes a pretty deft hand to do that. And, uh, I don't know, Bendis is good sometimes, great sometimes, and pretty bad other times. And I, I honestly think he didn't do, he really didn't do justice to, to Wanda. Like, he, he, for all intents and purposes, like, tore her character down over this story and disassembled previous to it. And it took a really long time for her to come back from that.
1: Snaps to that. Yep.
0: I actually read an interview with him about some of his kind of coming in on Avengers Disassembled and moving into this and how it was in relation to he just recently moved to DC for all of you reading or like listening to this in the future and wondering what sort of context we have. And they were like, are you going to do what you did? At DC, which you did whenever you you kind of hit the big time at Marvel, because he worked for Marvel for a little bit before doing Avengers Disassembled, doing like Daredevil, I think, and like Alias beforehand. But he was like, "Yeah, I really regret just killing a bunch of Avengers and making things completely <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> and almost just because I can." And I was like, "That takes a lot to admit that." I feel like, yeah. But this is like in the heyday of the Bendis era of crossovers, yeah. Like. Avengers disassembled. Siege is probably is like the last one.
2: Yeah, I, I would say Siege is really good though.
0: Yeah, Siege is good.
2: Yeah, I really enjoy Siege. I think I I dislike this story for what it does to Wanda. And now, how in retrospect, all of this is a comedy of errors, basically, because Wanda and Pietro aren't even Eric's son. I mean, son and daughter, like mm-hmm. in continuity now. So it's yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: I'm really waiting for the inevitable re-read on that one. Absolutely, Because I feel like that one was sort of, to I know that they they love to say, Marvel editors, uh, including the ones we love, you know, like, oh, it doesn't, we don't do anything different with the X-Men because we're not making movies about them. But it happened that that last retcon happened so close to the second Avengers movie that I was like, did you, though? Was this that?
2: Recrementer, come back and fight me. (laughs) <laughs> Here's your open invitation To fight me about so many things
0: I think yeah he's not coming back
2: No it's so weird Like he like like Ran away from Marvel right after He like ruined a bunch of stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry I got, I'm tested tonight
0: Where's like You know Bendis kind of almost like faded Out of Marvel he was like mm-hmm. and I'm done
2: I mean he had touched every Almost every property that the, that Marvel had so you have to yes. wonder what else was, like, what else was there that wasn't, like, drawing from the same well.
0: That's true.
1: Played um, with all the toys. And
2: yeah, I to played with on. all the toys, and he didn't, I mean, I, he kind of put them back. I mean, Bendis's <laughs> X-Men was how I got into comics, and he made me care about Scott Summers, and I never had before. So props to that.
0: Um, All New X-Men kind of got me, I started to read All New X-Men a little bit when I started listening to Jay and Miles, and I'd say that, like, and it was after I'd read Wolver- or Wolverine and the X-Men and was, like, pretty into it. But I was kind of jumping back out of comics again. And then I was like, oh, let's get back in again. Then I had kids. And now I'm in comics forever because you don't have to leave the house to read comics. <laughs> That's Except true. Except
1: to pick up your polls.
2: <laughs> yeah. That is true. Which apparently you have you have Christy do sometimes, so.
0: <laughs> she did it for the past two weeks. Thank you, Christy. Uh,
1: I, had, I had to do it for Valentine's Day.
0: So it's a Wednesday
1: before Valentine's Day, I'm like he's not gonna be able to get them and he's gonna be so excited. So I did it once and then it's like, Well, I guess I I guess I could do it again. Didn't you have a
0: snow day the last time? No.
1: I well no, no, I did have a snow day. Yeah. We had a snow day, that's right.
0: But it was like a cold day. Yeah.
1: I I don't, We've had too many snow days. I
2: too was, many uh, snow days.
1: I don't want any more snow. The
2: day before Valentine's Day, which was that Wednesday, was I was just in a perpetual state that entire week. Um, it was the week that Shatterstar Number Five came out, and mm. I was just like on. I was just on my cloud nine that entire week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good time.
0: I really like at the beginning of Issue Seven. I know that there's there's going to be like. I got, like, two jokes, and and one of them's a reach. But uh, (laughs) early on, Rogue gets a real opportunity to, like, whoop up on everybody.
3: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In
0: a way that I feel like I haven't seen her get to do much, where she's like, I will take everyone's power and then just beat everybody up. And there's even a bit where Pietro, like, goes and rushes to try to, like, head somebody off, and then Rogue's just in his way all of a sudden. Oh, so cool. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. She's like the line, like wrong one. Yeah, yeah. Fun.
2: I I really appreciate how how this issue is structured because it is for the most part extremely uh, an extremely quiet moment, punctuated with like the noise that's going on outside. And I think it is really true to that moment. I think it's it's like written and like the art is in such a way where. It really does feel like Wanda and Doctor Strange are like like cut off from everything else. Like you get that dissonance there. Like you understand that she's not there and that's not real to her.
0: I do yeah. I do like
2: that a lot. I think that is executed very well.
0: I really like how she tends to with 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 herself have a bit of like a placid sort of controlled demeanor but express some of her more erratic emotions through the projection of her not real children.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. She has
0: the angry child and the scared child.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what that's supposed to to be. Discounting mm-hmm. the fact that and this is going to get weird. Maybe for you guys who don't know, but I am a I do come from a teenage superhero podcast, but the, the first volume of Young Avengers had already been out when this happened. Meaning that Billy and Tommy, who are actually Wanda's children, were out in the world before House of M. And during House of M, something happened. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not sure what happened there. They were trapped inside House of M. And these like children who aren't actually real. It's very strange. Do they Um, they
0: address that in Young Avengers? They don't. Oh, weird. (laughs) See, I thought they were supposed to be completely separate children. I
2: mean, Billy and... Tommy and Billy have always been Wanda's kids. Right. Like William and Thomas were Wanda's children before they got their souls like taken away at, in the be- very beginning um of all this stuff. And then like Tommy and Billy were in the Young Avengers, we didn't know what their parentage was until you know they were twins and then it got hinted at and then House of M happened and then we just go back to um Children's Crusade. Yeah, Children's Crusade is after after House of M, which is when uh, Billy sets out to find Wanda. Yes. Yeah.
0: The The whole deal with Wanda and her children is incredibly complicated. It is, it is There. I love complicated superhero comics. It's like half the reason why I love it. But even like that is so difficult for me to really grasp. It's its own little Hawkman problem.
2: And it's just incredibly poorly executed.
0: Yeah. Like it started in some storylines in the 80s. With Master Pandemonium, and then they decided to ignore it for a while, and then Bendis kind of brought back like, "Oh, Wanda, she's gonna go wild because of kids again." And like those kids hadn't been referenced for a long time, and mm-hmm. then they were actual people, and they're still actual people. But man, we haven't seen the Young Avengers in a little bit. Yeah,
2: we haven't seen to- we haven't seen Tommy in a while, and we haven't seen Billy in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Tommy always hits the short end of the
1: stick, and I'm bitter about it. But, <laughs> Fair know. enough. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sad sad parts with kids always really get get to me. So reading House of M, I just kept thinking, Gosh, what happened to these kids before this that was so traumatic that set and I just kept like looking for some really traumatic event and was I was like, Chris, what 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 happened just before this? Is there is, is there some way that I'm supposed to empathize here? And I was like, I don't really understand what happened with the children.
0: She parthenogenesised the children, basically, like she created them from her chaos magic,
1: but yes, but so why why what happened to them to make them because she, she she seems heartbroken about her children that they're gone, but they're not gone
2: no, okay, they
0: were
1: they were okay,
2: Chrissy. Okay. here we go here we go here we go, all right, I'm stretching, I need a stretch for this so
0: okay. readers prep yourselves for some continuity
2: <laughs> so. Um, Wanda and the Vision fell in love. Mm -hmm. Because the Vision was a robot, Wanda could not have natural children by the Vision, a robot. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So instead, she used magic to make children and became pregnant and had children.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And it became known that the children had the souls of, like, had, like, shards of, like, lost souls inside of them. Like, Taken from Mephisto. Okay. When Mephisto found out that Wanda had taken his soul shards, he sent Master Pandemonium to take the souls from the children and did so, thusly, like, erasing Wanda's children from reality, except for that she remembered that she lost them until somebody locked those memories away inside of her mind.
1: Okay. And how did those memories get unlocked?
2: One day, <laughs> one day, at Avengers Mansion, Wasp, Janet Van Dyne, and Wanda mm-hmm. were sitting by the pool. And Janet said, randomly, hey, Wanda, whatever happened to your kids? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and then, thus started a, like, eight-issue mental breakdown known as Avengers Disassembled. Okay. Where, in her g- tremendous grief and... Hysterical womanness, according to Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Wanda systematically killed two Avengers and then basically lost her mind, okay, because she remembered this traumatic event that happened.
0: Was there supposed to be like some sort of etiquette where everybody's like, all right, guys, we cannot bring up Wandas line one would think
2: end. so, except for Janet just ruined it. I don't know that <laughs> it's just so random. like it is not. It is that like it's real random. It's real random. Like, ooh, wow, the way these My ties
0: so, are delicious. Hey, anyway.
1: That's exactly I don't know. What I think is. it's incredibly selfish to take away someone's memory of their children even if they were lost. I agree. And I think that was that was a bad move to begin with. It was.
0: You can blame Doctor Strange. Yeah, it, this is a Doctor Strange fault. Her her children also became uh, someone's hands at one point. But, but yeah. Doctor Strange
1: enough. just told Peter Parker that he can't take away his memories.
0: Yeah, he totally Literally did. In this
1: issue that we just read.
0: <laughs> Maybe because he's like, I can't do that anymore. Again. Look yeah. what happens. Look what
1: happens. I mean, you're not
2: wrong. Yeah. So, in yeah, in the in the interim, um, and then and then what happened was obviously Eric took Magneto took Wanda back to Genosha, and then we have the impetus for the story. Okay. But in in the interim, the souls that Mephisto actually took back never made that never made their way back to him they splintered off again and like resi- now reside in the like they resided in the bodies of two other new newborns that happened to be born in the marvel universe they happen to be billy kaplan and tommy shepard who are wicked and speed okay
0: yep they're part of the young avengers okay which since you've been reading comics the young avengers have not been in a ton of comics correct yeah
1: Alright, that makes a lot more sense than everything that I've Googled. People on the internet don't make as much sense as you, Charlie.
3: Well,
2: I'm glad I could explain it for you. Um, I love Tommy and Billy, and I... So I had to, like, know their complicated history because, like, their connection to Wanda is actually very important. And... Like, that's basically what happened. What happened to them during House of M is a mystery, however. Um, yeah.
0: Did they turn into these bowl cut children?
2: That's we- what I'm wondering. And I don't yeah. know. And that eventuality is kind of scary.
0: What's wild is at this point, Wanda can, I like, Wanda's cr- created these two bowl cut children. And then, like, in the first <laughs> issue, created, like, a baby. And yes. Xavier had to be like, no, you don't have a baby. And that means she literally like whole clothed a, a baby and then just deleted this baby.
1: So did well, the baby have a, have a, have a soul shard? I don't to, think,
0: I don't think BMB really decided. Really to thought that about that one. Deeply. Well,
1: Also in
2: this issue, Wanda does bring Pietro back from the dead. So yes.
0: And she, she cubes, she cubes Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, one thing I do like a lot about so Qu- I think Quipel's art is a lot of what saves this this crossover to me. I agree. It's very cool and cinematic mm-hmm. and sort of like the term I like to use that I, I heard once. I, I feel like I read it at Comics Alliance, and I'm like, that's my that's my term now. I'm gonna take it. Is <laughs> it's it's very widescreen. Yeah. But he decides to represent a lot of like Wanda's anytime wanted to deconstruct something that it kind of just turns into little cubes and it is yeah. creepy
1: i love it it's so it, cool
2: it yeah, is
0: very cool i think
2: it's really cool and i think it's a good representation of like the world in which everything is being is able to be manipulated mm-hmm. like blocks mm-hmm. so i i think that's a really good uh, metaphor for that
0: and her kids um, are playing with blocks all the time
2: yep Bam. Got it. Got it in one. Got it in one. Making toys with their mind. Yes.
0: Yes. So poor Hawkeye. He's like, cool, I'm back to life.
2: And Although I really did enjoy that scene.
0: It's wow. a very good scene because Hawkeye, Hawkeye is, you know, upset and I get it.
1: How did he get there?
0: How did he, Yeah. That, who knows? Not <laughs> um, sure. My bigger question. How does he remember? Because he pointedly refused Layla to giving him back the memories cuz he didn't want like memories of like dying and not existing.
2: Maybe he did oh. always remember but didn't say anything.
0: Maybe maybe he just wanted to go along with it. But it as far as I'm aware it's not really addressed.
2: No. It's as it's... much to give us this moment than anything else which is fantastic like it's very good. The like the moment in with the art when he shoots Wanda and you just see her fall down like with the arrow mm-hmm. in her back. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> like there are some very good parts of this, especially this issue because this is the climax.
0: Yeah, uh, issue issue 7 is probably probably the best issue. Mm-hmm. Uh there's some really there's some really bold character moments. Like there's a lot of like big big hits. There even like the fight, like there's this these really cool bits in the fight. You've got like Rogue taking everybody's powers. You've got the the quiet moment with Doctor Strange but then it's punctuated by Hawkeye coming in. You've got
1: Emma is a walkie-talkie. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Did you? You didn't read my notes, did you? I did. Oh, okay, I do. I read the notes sometimes. (laughs) Emma Frost. In issues prior to this, Emma Frost is like, no one else needs to be there. Like, she's like, I will take over the ship. I will do this. I will do this. And in this, it's like, Wanda, or or like, Emma, Emma, can you hear this? Can you just tell everybody else about it? And she's like, yeah, I guess so, Jeez. (laughs) Um. but yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a walkie-talkie. Very important moment there. But you get you get the Hawkeye scene. You get a moment where Pietro somehow like punches everybody at, in like one page, and there's like the look out uh-huh. for Pietro, and he's just like pow 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 <laughs> pow, and then you get Magneto's like utter rage. Oh, absolutely!
2: It's scary. Like it is scary. Especially when it's directed towards you know his son at the time. Um, yep.
0: Still, and- we're, we're I think we're, I I don't know if, if any uh, you know Charlie you you and me not you know we're we're part of X Men Twitter in a pretty big way. I think we can just say that the, the, they're still his kids. We're yeah,
2: I, I won't accept any. I won't accept any substitutes. Yep. Rick, 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 you can fight me. You can know where to find me. Don't <laughs> turn your turn your location on, Rick. <laughs>
0: If we just put that energy out in the world, we know something will happen because it's happened before. <laughs>
2: That's true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, but I think that the conversation between Pietro and Wanda, when we did the, have the flashback back mm-hmm. to Genosha before all this happened, um, was very sweet and bittersweet. And their conversations when she, she said, I love being an Avenger. And like he says, so did I. You know, it, it's very heartfelt, like in in ways that you know Bendis can can absolutely hit those notes right when he's trying. <laughs> so, uh, and then it, and then just Doctor Strange's realization that it was Pietro, not Magneto. Mm-hmm. Three years, I was well. so
1: happy that I was right. Last you were episode.
0: right <laughs> when I was listening
2: to your last episode. I was like, you're almost there, Christy You put put the, <laughs> them together. Put the ideas together. <laughs>
0: Just the bit where he twists the knife and is like, "If you don't, if you don't make everybody happy, they'll kill you." Like yeah. you know that he did it kind of out of love, mm-hmm. but it's just like it's he like would, that little insidious poison that you know is like why everything's wrong.
2: He's always he's always been, you know. And Pietro's had is you know, because for as bad as Wanda got it after House of M, at least she got to vanish. Yeah, Pietro, he was there. <laughs> oh, Pietro had a bad time after House of M, like. There was a mini series right after House of M called Son of M. Mm-hmm. That's all about Pietro being depowered and like mm-hmm. his
3: his literal
2: yeah his literal like fall from whatever grace I guess he'd he he'd ascended to during House of M, which I would argue was wasn't a lot anyway. It was all living a lie, but um, yeah, Peter basically becomes, he just looks very run down and starts talking to himself and having hallucinations and then starts peddling Terrigen crystals like they'll repower mutants and pretending like he doesn't know what happened to all the mutants and why they got you powered Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's some rough stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: Tries to kill Layla Miller
3: and Layla.
2: yeah, shoves some Terrigen crystals into Richter. It's a whole time.
0: <laughs> Ugh. Poor Layla. She doesn't get... So she she definitely gets more later to do. And I kind of wonder, I wonder editorially, was she originally just going to be done after this? Or were they planning on putting her in X-Factor? She had
2: to have been. Because X-Factor was a launch title at, at, like at the outset of Decimation.
0: That's right. It literally starts with Decimation. Mm. So yeah decimation is just like it's like the the banner fallout of house of M so anything okay. for a while was decimation in the top left corner
1: yeah see seeing her in issue eight just kind of looking out the window like you know she remembers everything because she was there yep. and like anybody get anybody gonna check on this child like oh she'll
2: she's uh <laughs> she becomes um yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> A lot happens to her. Now she's an adult. Yeah. (laughs) A lot happens to Layla. She hangs out with Jamie Madrox and um, his merry band of misfits who aren't so merry at all.
0: x Doctor Investigations is very good, though, Christy. I think you'd like it. And then probably not like it. And then... (laughs)
2: Here, here's here's how you do, what you do with X-Factor investigations. You start reading it and say, "I love this. It's very good." And then you're like, "Okay, it's got some in middle quality." And you're like, "I like this. It's very good." And then you're like, "Oh man, this book just got real bad. I got to put it down."
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um yeah, X-Factor is I think it's got like one of the strongest first issues around, especially especially after after House of M, but um, we're not here to talk about that.
0: <laughs> then, yeah, we don't talk about ongoings here. We only talk about crossovers.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, all of the fallout from this in issue eight is a lot to take in. The
0: whole issue. The whole. The whole issue. I mean,
1: it, I mean, it's a whole issue of fallout. We don't. I. I guess we get those a lot in the crossovers. We had that. I mean, we had an issue of fallout in Spider Verse.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. I think that's less common than than it. I think it's it's more the exception than the rule. Okay. Like when we eventually cover secret invasion, I think that fallouts like five pages or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And then like three years of comics. But <sighs> a lot of times they like to do that is like the fallout is by all these ongoings that spawn out of this or, or these new directions and ongoings that spawn out of this. Mm-hmm.
1: This is the first crossover that we've covered that I don't think ends somewhat hopeful and happy. Not at all. Not at all.
0: Correct. It is definitely the heroes didn't win. It's
1: very hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it is it's
2: it's really difficult. It's seeing and also seeing that mutants are are depowered that very visceral scene with Emma running to like in in this like bloody and beaten and running to cerebro
3: mm-hmm. like
2: to check to see how like and just seeing that there aren't hardly any there's like one hundred ninety eight mutants left after House of, after like House of them, mm-hmm. um, most of which are the mutants that you know and yeah do
0: they try to explain that ever like why is it all our faves
2: because they were around they weren't all our faves my friend um <laughs> one of mine got the short end of that stick oh, real did, hard
0: did richard get depowered yes it wasn't for long though right
2: richard was depowered for most of x-factor investigations what yeah. why do i not remember that um my oh, wow. my dude the first issue of X-Factor Investigations is a Richter is about, on the roof trying to commit right. suicide because he lost his powers.
0: He's got him back, though. I know that for sure, because I've read his literally <laughs> most recent appearance.
2: No, he did. He got them back in Children's Crusade. Oh. He was the only mutant that Children's was ever Crusade. repowered by Wanda herself.
0: I think she could just do that. The, uh, we, we could probably talk about this more at wrap-up, so I'll I'll get oh. on to other things. I, I have a really dumb question. A really silly question. Why are some people like, like Peter Parker wakes up back in his bed and like his, his redheaded wife is there instead of his blonde wife. And that's in Layla wakes up in her bed Emma Frost wakes up in the lawn. Yes.
2: Right. Looking and way, way worse for
3: she's wear. She's got,
0: like, mud coming out of her nose, or maybe it was supposed to be blood. It's and Wolverine blood. also wakes up in the lawn? Why I do those two wake up in the lawn, but everybody else seems to just be in the house?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's for us as the readers, because we first see Layla and Peter Parker wake up, and we think, oh, maybe everything's okay.
0: Oh, and then you see, like, yeah. beaten up Emma.
1: So, I don't know if it has a reason other than that just reveal moment of wait, no it's not. Mm. Yeah. A little bit of pacing.
0: Heads up a child literally says Ms Frost, I don't feel so good. Yeah. They, that line
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, all those lines from children, I'm I'm just like I'm like, I feel, I feel this in every fiber of my being. I have experienced this when you have 10,000 children asking you a hundred different things and they are all very panicked and it's all very, very important, but you have like this one task that you're supposed to be getting done and it's like all of it's kind of this anxious peripheral and it just, oh, it's...
0: Poor Emma. She was a real, she was a real like head, head headmistress in this, uh... Yeah. Issue.
2: Emma's had to deal with so many children like crises. Yes. It's so utterly difficult to think about like going through any of that. Like one of the one of the like one of the lines that like end in the school is like someone asking her like Miss Frost, what happened to my power? Did I do something wrong?
3: Oh. Ooh. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, it's rough. <laughs> That and really that rough. moment with Danny too—that's really rough too. Yeah,
0: Danny's just like thousand yards staring. Like, yeah, ugh. yeah. yeah that was that was the really rough scene. Also, Peter Parker is just not handling any of this well, and it's <laughs> it's like what we talked about, where it was like, is what you really wanted to not be married to the person that you're currently married to, but to be married to like your your dead girlfriend, and yeah. Not and not to take actual responsibility, but to instead use your powers for personal gain, like the very literal thing that you swore not to do when you were 15 years old. I actually have a huge problem with that. And it bo- And for someone who wrote Spider-Man for three years, it's real weird to me that Brian Michael Bendis thinks that Peter Parker's greatest desire is to be like selfish and somewhat heroically inconsequential.
2: Well, you have to wonder how much of that was his own desires versus what Wanda thought everybody wanted.
0: That's true. Like supposedly and th- this is so hand-wavy, right? Like if Xavier's in her head, she could use his powers to figure it out. Yeah. But to some extent, it seems like she didn't quite get it right.
2: No, especially with um I think Steve.
0: Yeah, he's just like an old guy and he's yeah. just kind of a bum- like Yeah, Cap-
2: a- yeah, that's um not great and um everybody just seems a little egotistical. Yeah. It almost
1: Seems like not necessarily what everybody wants, but if nothing in their life had gone wrong. Yeah. If none of the traumas that shaped them had happened. It's
0: almost like uh Yeah. Like, I agree. What do, like what are the what do people say like like peace over righteousness or like peace over justice? It almost seems like that in terms of a timeline. Like things are things are okay. But like yeah. everybody's life is is But nobody is learned swell. any
2: lessons by things yeah. going
0: wrong. Exactly. Like there's no conflict. But is it it good?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what? There's a quote like, through struggle, we learn strength. Mm -hmm. And nobody had to learn that.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Man, I'd venture to say, like, Iron Man's life is actively bad. Like, (laughs) I read a bunch of the tie in for Iron Man, and his life seems like worse.
2: Yeah. Um, Like, his dad's
0: alive and doesn't like him.
2: Yeah. Sometimes Tony Stark (laughs) can't get a break. He just
0: cannot. Get any break? It's like in... you're
2: either like having like this time in House of M, or like you're stuck in a spaceship in space in uh, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, it just seems like a bad time sometimes to be Tony Stark. Yeah, except when he gets to have cool adventures with Squirrel Girl. That's true.
0: <laughs> I feel like Squirrel Girl adventures have got to be like his highlight of his week.
2: Yeah, he's on the wrong side of the Civil War. Like it's just mm, right. Although, not man, working.
0: We'll eventually cover Civil War, but no one comes out looking good in Civil War least of all mark miller but uh, (laughs) (laughs) he throws children in a negative zone yeah goodness gracious oh well there was something i wanted to i wanted to cover and i said i'll cover it toward the end but we're probably getting toward our wrap-up (laughs)
1: <laughs> wasn't Bobby's baggy shorts, was it?
2: No, the
0: although I love Bobby's baggy shorts. Although that's Bobby, a great image. like
2: like it's Bobby doesn't actually lose his powers. He
3: just
0: no, it's all in he, his head.
2: He just thinks he lost his powers, which is so bizarre to me.
0: How would um, he have known he was supposed to lose his powers? Yeah, he right. like
2: comes he like comes out of that room looking like super sweaty and like hungover. <laughs> like what is going on? <laughs> like it's not that's not a good look.
0: Oh, I remember what I wanted to talk about. Do we do we ever do we come to a consensus or at least find out was Layla kind of put into House of M as like a subconscious effort of Wanda's mind that Mm. something needed to probably be fixed after all?
2: I'm wondering about that because Doctor Strange says it explicitly. Yeah. Um, Like
1: you put Layla here to bring us to you. Yeah.
3: Right. And and she's
1: like, I don't know who that is.
0: Yeah, she's just, she, th- that's kind of her, that's kind of her Her, her Age of Olive Garden scene, where she, yeah. she's just, oh, everything's great, mommies create things.
2: Yeah, I mean, jury's out on that, but Layla, but going to the house of them, let's say, is not the worst thing that's happened to Layla Miller.
0: No, it's not, it's not the start of good things, but it's not the worst thing.
2: Yeah, we could probably say the worst thing that ever happened to Layla Miller was meeting Jamie Madrox.
0: I will agree with that. Yes so the the last few pages of this of this crossover before we we move on to our fun listener questions is the explanation that all of the mutant energy that was that was contained or controlled by the mutants who lost their powers, hundreds of thousands of them, has kind of gone off somewhere, and then we get a flash of it like floating around Earth's orbit. It is the weirdly least consequential part of this entire crossover.
1: Really? Because it just feels like it's supposed to lead to some, into like this next big thing.
2: Well, yeah. it does.
0: It does like four things. It, Would like, you like
1: to tell us about
2: that, Chris? <laughs> oh, I'm
0: trying to remember all of them. Um, it goes into a guy. Yes. And he becomes, he gets a I mean, name. All of it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it, I, it, if it. that story doesn't end up mattering, does it?
1: No,
2: and I'm fairly certain, actually, I'm fairly certain it actually summons the Phoenix back to Earth.
0: Oh, that that is actually important for much later stuff. Um, it also wakes up Vulcan. Yes. Who is the third Summer's brother. However, we, we're also not fond of him as the third except Summer's Except no
2: brother. Vulcans. <laughs> Hashtag, except no Vulcans.
0: Except no Vulcans. The third Summer's brother is not Vulcan. It can be yeah. like several other people, but it's yeah. not him. And it also, like, it contained part of Zorn's mind, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the most consequential thing about it is that it does summon the Phoenix back to Earth, which sets the stage for Avengers vs. X-Men. Yes. Yes. Which, you know... That's
0: another Bendis one. It's Man, like I'm everybody looking
2: at yeah. One. I mean, this that was the end. That was the end goal. That was like the end of the story. Yeah, like that was the true. end of this entire saga. And it's like the, all the mutant energy leaves. The Phoenix comes back, and it's like the X Men looking at their watches. Like, hmm, is it time for the Phoenix yet? Nope, not yet.
3: <laughs> that <laughs>
0: like, even kind of has like the end of Wanda's story, really. Yeah, and then,
2: that's when her and Hope um like hold hands and say no more Phoenix.
0: Yep, that's and that's, that's it. And, but there's no more Phoenix, no more Phoenix stories after that. There's been a a lot of Phoenix (laughs) stories after that. Grant Morrison's run of X-Men kind of started to create the idea of a mutant culture and it got explored quite a bit further, but I feel like this is kind of the death of that, at least for a while. And I think that's probably the greatest injustice that this, this did was like Grant, Grant Morrison's run started to create this idea of mutant as like a distinct subculture and a distinct identity where there would be like mutant art and like mm-hmm. mutant neighborhoods. But now there's only 198 of them. So they're like, they're just like way back to the beginning of like mutants are hated and feared.
3: Mm-hmm. And it was
0: a bit of a bummer. And a lot of a, a lot of people I talked to really liked the idea of let's do, let's get into mutant culture. Let's like see what people, who mutants do who are not just fighting for their lives all the time.
3: Yeah. And
0: I kind of lament what we, what we maybe lost through that.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, some of that was touched on in X Factor.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true because they they hang out in, like
2: a M- mutant town. Mutant, yeah, yeah. So, so that was addressed. Like, what do you do when you're a you know formerly persecuted minority that is no longer don't no longer have that touchstone? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to play with a lot of these thoughts about. You know, what do you do when, you know, for me, as being, you know, a queer person, what what does it mean when your identity is directly attached to your sexuality, you know, or, you know, other other things? So finding identity inside of, like, or, or missing that or, or knowing that that's missing is, is interesting. And I, I like that about x factor wanted investigated a little not that's not a pun i'm sorry um when it investigated that <laughs> it is bit. whether you want it to be it or is, not yes um i think that's similarly what's interesting about age of x-man especially like the queer spin on it like like in a in a place where you're where it's like forbidden to be romantic or you know to have a sexual identity um what does it mean for somebody who's individualness is their part like wrapped up in their sexual identity it's very interesting
0: yeah all of you who are sleeping on age of x-man you Don't. really need to get on it it's doing stuff with 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 the x-men that hasn't been done in in a long time it's a fresh spin it's a really cool story and i we like i have i have made my fair share of jokes about about you know vol <laughs> uh nate gray making everybody else incels but it is it is a lot about like some interesting takes on on stripping your stripping your identity through some things that that are innate about you and you not necessarily knowing what you've lost, but in some ways not being able to escape it. Yeah, it's so good, and I'd we're, we're, we'll cover it eventually on the show, probably, probably like years down the line if we're still doing it. But it is something you absolutely need to pick up. It is doing it is doing some stuff with superhero comics that I feel like don't get done. It's such a quiet story. Absolutely. Compared to a lot of like your big your big punchy superhero stories. But it is it's such a good read. I've enjoyed like nearly all of it. Plus like our very good friend of all of our shows, Leah Williams's yes. issue, like knocked it out of the park with the since that that had just recently come out, extremist number one. Oh gosh! And in some ways, like House of M, kind of reminds me a little bit of a little bit Age of Age of X Men. A little bit, kind of that alternate reality where someone's trying to make things perfect and seeing mm-hmm. what what works and what doesn't.
2: Yeah, the cracks were much more evident in House of M. I think it took a little longer. Like we all <sighs> Such knew a good slow burn. Yeah, we all knew what was going on in Age of X-Man like we all knew it but like the slow realization and like the like the different series and showing you like where the cracks are like where they are most prominent like it's it's excellent it's excellent and everybody should read it and you should be ashamed of yourself if you're not
0: <laughs> it's true absolutely we will shame you Um, well are we ready to get into some of our listener questions we got a bunch this week
1: yeah let's get into questions
0: All right, we can get right into it and start with a friend of the show at Arthur Stacey. Our pal Adam Rick asks, Quipel's art elevates the story and parts of Avengers vs. X-Men to a whole nother level. How much of an impact can a top tier artist make to a story that might not be the best? So we know Adam's opinion on this story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. I feel like we kind of already touched on that a little bit, talking about... Chris, you mentioned that you felt the artwork almost is what was like the biggest redeeming quality for you. Uh,
0: yeah, it definitely made it seem like almost like a blockbuster movie in a really cool way. Mhm. And it kind of I don't want to say covers up, but it 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 complements the fact that this that the main series didn't go quite as deep as I wanted it to. It's 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 a very huge example of the sort of decompression that was like a huge thing in the mid 2000s. Mhm. Or like, let's let's make a comic last five minutes of reading time instead of 20. (laughs) (laughs) But the art at least made it every every hit and every every scene seem really cinematic and cool. So I think that Adam brings a good point up that comics are visual media, Mm -hmm. probably first and foremost, with words added rather than the other way around.
1: Right. I mean, reading it. I really enjoyed it and then when I sat back to think about it, it almost left like a bad taste in my mouth, if that makes sense. It was very pretty to read. I was really like into the story, but as I sat back and really digested it, I'm like, wait, that doesn't quite sit right. Kind of like a meal at the Olive Garden.
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing it back. We're
2: bringing it wait back. to bring it back around. Uh, <laughs> kinda like see, my problem with the Olive Garden is maybe the same problem that I have with comics sometimes. Which is to say, just tell me what you're about. <laughs> See? Charlie doesn't have problems with Applebee's. Because it knows what it is. It is the place we are going to go and get food that's just fine. Olive Garden tries to be this fancy restaurant, and it is not. <laughs> so, like, I want like, I don't want books to be, like, coming to me and saying, like, this is going to change your view. Like, I don't need that. Like, I don't need that advertisement. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm i so tired of, this is how they market things. I'm so tired of, like, scare tactics in books. I'm like, who's going to die next? Da, da, da. What? Yeah. No, that's not. That's not Someone my... will be
0: brutally murdered in this comic, and if yeah. you don't pick it up. It'll be your favorite. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, my favorite did die last year, but not really. But, I mean, this is not to say about the art, because I think the art in this book, and Quipel doesn't really do Marvel books a lot anymore.
0: No, it's a real shame.
2: Marvel's lost a lot of its good artists, DC, in all honesty. But I think there's a lot of new artists that are really great. Um, Yeah.
0: Shout out to Carmen Carnero.
2: Yeah. Shout out to, like, a lot of artists. Shout out to Adam Gorham. Shout yes. out to like just very in- interesting styles of art. They're not house mm-hmm. styles, but they're like they have their own personality to them, and I think that can bring a lot of good flavor to books. Like I like Koepel's art; it's very pretty mm-hmm. and it is cinematic, and I do, do think that it elevates this book. But I think I, I think maybe it could have used like a. If I had to pick an here's a fun game if i if you had to pick another artist to be on this book, who would you pick?
0: Hmm. It could be anybody I gotta think about that
2: because um. my pick would actually be Daniel Acuna.
0: oh yeah,
2: I think the painterly colors would have worked really good here.
0: I think you're right. I haven't thought about this one. I'm sorry I'm answering a question with another question. you really are you've I'm not, now I'm on the spot um uh, i'll I'll just volunteer
1: that I don't have an answer it's okay okay i mean um erica
2: henderson artist the squirrel girl can draw everything ever forever so
1: you
0: know it's true we're gonna see her
2: (sighs) i'm very excited about that you can hold your answer chris you don't really
3: need one
0: yeah it's gonna drive me crazy i'll try to think about it as we keep going down the line okay um we also have a question from man i think I'm going to stop saying friend of the show, because I think all of our questions are from, like, very I say friends. this
1: literally every time we we take questions. They're all <laughs> friends of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody's a friend of the show, if you think about it.
0: That's true. You're all friends of the show. Xavier Files. At Xavier Files. Do we unfairly blame Wanda for Pietra's bad actions? Yes.
2: Absolutely. I
0: understand she was a bit of a jerk in the aftermath, but it isn't like Quicksilver is blameless here. I 100% blame him. I don't blame her at all.
2: Yeah. I I think she has... Maybe some I don't know. Like, I, I think it's a hundred percent Pietro's fault in House of M. A hundred percent. Like, you cannot blame Wanda at all for no more mutants at all. I think does she have culpability in Avengers Disassembled? Yes. Do I really think it's Brian Michael Bendis' fault? Yes. Because I'm not somebody <sighs> who blames fictional characters for their actions.
1: That's that's fair. The teacher in me always says that we it's a skill that we teach our students. It's something that we say to them over and over again. Can you be okay even when others are not okay? But when you're a fictional character, I think you have very little <laughs> control. Yeah, you just don't have control over that.
0: You're as okay as the story demands you to be. <laughs> I guess.
1: Yeah. I,
2: I think if it wasn't a a white guy writing this romani woman having a mental breakdown
3: Uh Mm
2: -hmm. it would have been a very different story and it just plays into so many bad tropes with hysterical women and child losing children you know of course the woman's unstable she's a woman it just Mm -hmm. whether it was meant that way or not it's how it comes off
0: yeah i mean i think it, it built a little bit on some some hints from earlier stuff but i don't think it it was necessarily like this is a this is a recognizable and constant trait of wanda's from her inception or anything like that
2: exactly and i i think it's and i think why people blame wanda is because of course you'd blame the woman
1: like
0: <laughs> the, the characters seem to blame her more too yeah. which is mind-boggling to me yeah well
1: because they they recognize the powers, but not the motive or the place that it comes from. So you you blame the person with the powers, you, regardless of who is manipulating them.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. And
1: they don't recognize her as a as a tool in this. As you know, yeah, I, you, you want her to be a person with autonomy, but the story has really just made her not the tool of other people.
2: Yeah,
0: that is true. And
2: one might say that's the point. Like, that's what you're, like, that's the, like, you're supposed to understand that. Like, but I think that there's a very, very good part of Children's Crusade where Scott and the X-Men have come to basically kill Wanda after she reemerges again. And Tommy steps in front of him and says, how many of you have been brainwashed or mind controlled or have done things that you would have never done if you hadn't been like how can you hold her accountable for that when you wouldn't hold yourselves accountable and it's this amazing moment coming from like a teenage kid in a moment where it's like yeah like you adults don't know what you're talking about and like it's it's a really good moment and like that same moment is punctuated by the x-men coming for wanda and like x factor also standing between them, like Richter, someone who lost his powers, and someone who like lost a lot of who he was uh, because of that, standing up for Wanda. Then that's like that's a really awesome moment, and like yeah. goes a long way.
0: So our next question is from at Insta Trent, Trent asks. Thoughts on Hawkeye's return as part of House of M. Given the relationship Clint and Wanda have post-M day, I've always found it really weird that he is resurrected by Wanda twice and somehow stayed alive when the 616 returned. Well, it's, it is interesting. It, it, he kind of died for a little bit and then came back also as part of Wanda's actions. Yeah. I'm not sure. I almost wondered like what Like, it, I think they... Bendis, the, as I talked about that interview, realized that he just kind of killed him off for shock value, and then was like, "Actually, I think I kind of want Hawkeye back."
1: Yeah, I'm never surprised when characters come back.
0: <laughs> if not, Uncle Ben came back; it would blow my mind. And I hope not characters that
2: have like comic book face value, meaning like they're around a lot.
0: Yeah, like Hawkeye coming back. Yeah, Hulk coming back like super quickly, not shocking. Wolverine coming back, also not shocking. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, I wasn't like particularly surprised or anything. I wasn't invested in Hawkeye for the longest time. So I was like, okay, cool. He's back.
2: No, he takes, he takes a turn after House of M anyway. Like he's not Hawkeye anymore.
0: He's Ronan for a while. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which, you know, one would argue losing, dying, being resurrected, perhaps dying again and then being resurrected would do something to you mentally.
0: Yeah. Maybe you need a little, a little You need a little
2: alone time. I understand.
0: Dress up like a ninja.
2: <laughs> Bad. Let's not. Let's not have the white guy go by Ronin. Thank you. <laughs>
3: Thank
0: you.
2: Yeah. But Hawkeyes never really meant anything to me until Matt
0: Fraction wrote him. <laughs> <laughs> AKA the Hawkeye story. Hawkeye yeah. didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> um, our next question is from at dipping underscore sauce. This I have. This is um, our friend Aaron, but Hivernal man. At Dipping Sauce is such a great Twitter (laughs) handle that I'm... Man. Um, Hi, Chris's and also Charlie. The Marvel Wiki tells me that Shatterstar and Richter were not involved in House of M. Assuming the Wiki isn't lying to me, and I don't think it is, what do you think Star and Rick were doing during the crossover? What kind of perfect reality would they get? This is 100% directed at you, since you know more about Richter and Shatterstar than the both of us combined (laughs) like five times over.
2: Well, the... It's not very clear if whether, like, House of M, like, what was happening in the 616, like, was there a splinter of 616 reality where none of this was happening, or was everything House of M? So, on the basis of the fact that House of M makes you, like, like gives you everything you ever wanted, mm-hmm. but with, like, a weird askew, right? Yeah. I think what I would actually think would be that Rick and Saar would be together mm-hmm. but on the like on the weird like house of M like screwing everything up a little bit i don't think either of them would be mutants.
3: Oh. Mm. Huh. It's,
2: it's one of those caveats. It's like, well, here's this, but also you don't have this. I I, I feel like that seems right. I could just say like ha- happy families forever, but I think, I honestly, I, the most important thing to them is each other, so I think even if they weren't mutants, that they would still be good.
0: <laughs> I think that's a good answer. Yeah. I don't really have anything to input there more than that,
3: because <laughs> I'm
0: not going to I'm not gonna try to countermand you at all in terms of Shatterstar and Richter. That's it's not okay. my place.
2: It's okay. All you need to know is that one's, one's short, one's tall, one's an alien, one's mean, and they love each other. That's all you need to know. <laughs>
0: At Robert Secundus asks, "What would House of Star Shatterstar's deepest desire, or Age of Star Shatterstar creates a utopia, be like?" Oh God,
2: this one's hard.
0: This one is hard. Because
2: Star's a good boy, and he doesn't want anything bad for anybody.
0: No, is Age of Star just kind of his his uh, like his building?
2: Maybe, which
0: is just barbecues, because that, that yeah. ending was the closest thing I've seen to Shatterstar getting a utopia.
2: That's very true. I think that I think that Star only wants good things for people, so I think like he'd be one of those. Maybe it'd be like one of those situations where like everything's good. But I'm just gonna leave it here. Maybe he's like removed himself from the equation. Also, I don't know, Chris. That's a really good. That's what was a really good answer because. <laughs> that barbecue is idyllic excuse me for cussing oh, that's um, okay. we can blame but it. <laughs> um it was it was extremely idyllic it was very good i don't know he's just a really yeah, good what boy an, what all he wants ending. people yeah all he wants is for people to be able to live and like have like have a life and like belong somewhere so i think what it would necessarily pro- what it would probably just be is like him just co- <laughs> it would be like a, a world where like Everybody has belonging and it's not like Nate Gray's reality where it's like you can't love. I think it star would be like, Nope. Everybody I think you know what? I think Star's perfect world is just Earth where he lives now.
0: Oh. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Yeah. Just that's may- it. Maybe with like less people trying to mess with it.
2: Yeah. Maybe with less people like just trying to mess with him. Yeah, like maybe with fair. less like editorial oversight trying to tell him he shouldn't date his boyfriend for weird spans of time. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: okay. especially after that last issue. Yeah, no. Oh, if someone
2: starts to mess with them again, I'm literally—I don't know what I'm going to do.
1: But I'm—I'm going to come. I'm going to come <laughs> for you. You can—you can join Rick in the fight. We'll, we'll fight. I, yeah. I really had to keep myself from during that answer. when you kept talking about belonging, bringing up that he might want everybody to feel like when they were there, they were family. Uh. <laughs> star doesn't like the olive garden <laughs> <laughs>
2: canonical It's canonical. he likes the co- commercials but he doesn't like the olive garden i feel like he's one of those people that would be like yes uh let us please go to the olive garden and then they'd go and then he'd be like this is terrible i would like to leave now <laughs> yeah and be like just indignant about how the sense of goodwill and spirit that the commercials gave to him was not how it translated when he got there <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> At Ravel underscore near, near Ravel asks Does the aftermath of the crossover, both No More Mutants and the modern Marvel comics as we know them, good point, overshadow the story itself? And is that a good thing? I definitely think it overshadows the story because mm-hmm. it is. Consequences are pretty big.
1: Mm-hmm. It's exactly what Jessica Drew said. What if we tr- change everything, try to change everything back, and it's just worse?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, she was right. She was right. I'm not sure if it's good or not. Is it better than the story itself? It is definitely more than the story itself, but is it better? Would it, I don't think it would have been better if it just went back to normal.
2: No, because then it has no consequences. Right. Like I think a story had to have consequences. The fact that we'd be we'd be living in those same consequences Ten and pl- ten plus years from the outset of House of M.
0: It's I think it's like nearly fifteen at this point. It
2: is, yeah, is wild. Yeah, it's um, wild. And you gotta wonder why the no more Phoenix igniting of new mutations at the end of AVX just didn't stick very long.
0: Yeah, then they're like, we can't have kids anymore. And it's like, oh, the Terrigen ter-
2: mists, and like, oh, this is awful. And then, yeah. Like, I don't really see what's going on right now in Uncanny as, like, a weird extinction event. I honestly don't. I just think it's, like, a harsh reality of what would happen if
0: that happened. Yeah, I I agree. I think what's currently going on in Uncanny is, like, hey, the greatest protectors of these people suddenly disappeared at a time where people were kind of not thrilled with them. Yeah. And this is what happens when nobody does anything.
2: Yeah. This is what happens when you don't take a stand.
0: Right. Uh, Our last question is from Andrew Young at A.W. Young, 1991. What character would you have liked to have seen show up in House of M and what would their utopian life look like? Alternatively, since there are already a lot of characters in House of M, who would you have liked the story to focus more on? Hmm. Well, I'd like to see him show up in House of M. (laughs) All my faves were kind of there for the most part. I'm so boring. My favorites are like Spider-Man and Cyclops. It doesn't make you boring. Everybody
2: <laughs> knows you got you you got your faves, and that's yeah very and that's very good.
0: I actually would have loved to see more of Cyclops. To be honest, he doesn't. Yeah. we don't get to really see what he does for a day job, and I bet it would have just been so mundane.
1: <laughs>
0: I wanted yeah, Jessica
1: Drew to have a different story. <laughs> yeah,
0: as opposed to the thing I wanted to do more Christy. than anything else is be a spy lady, <laughs> like a world cop.
1: Yeah, valid,
2: valid, valid, valid. I have two answers. Uh-huh. One, Shatterstar's never in any alternate realities, and it makes me mad.
0: Like, none of them?
2: He doesn't exist on basically any Earth where there's an alternate universe.
0: Age of Apocalypse?
2: Either not existing or dead. Whoa. Yeah, it's messed he up. He was in
0: comics when that started. Like, he was in an ongoing.
2: Yeah, he wasn't. didn't make it to Gambit and the Externals.
0: That's weird.
2: And I have to, like, the two answers are sad and sadder. Mm-hmm. The first answer is... Sad because he wasn't, he's not fully a mutant, so Apocalypse decided to kill him. Uh, sadder, he didn't exist at all because Richter's trajectory changed, meaning that Rick was never there to complete the time loop with him and take his his baby self where he needed to go. So he just doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, sad and sadder. Sad. Yeah, so I want Star to like come and like have some like cool alternate universe stories. So I would have picked Star. I don't know what he would have done. Maybe he just was hanging out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Better than nothing. Yeah. Christy, who would you have liked to have shown up in House of M?
1: Squirrel Girl. (gasps) And she would have had lots of nuts and kicked lots of butts.
0: Just like extra. Good answer. That (laughs) is a good answer.
1: Doreen and and,
2: and Tippy Toe. That's all you ever really need.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. I want to see House of M brain drain.
1: I just... I love how she solves every problem. It's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's generally always happy. And I like that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's really good. Like having a happy ending is like uh, so
2: few and far between that it's just like, hey, let's do this without stabbing or killing anybody. Although stabbing and killing an MO of one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> only when you need to. Only stabbing other
0: people, stabbing yourself. Stabbing
2: yourself. Self, Yeah. It's yeah.
1: Equal opportunity.
0: Yep. All right, well, we've made it through all of our listener questions.
1: Are we ready for accolades?
0: Oh, accolades, yes. So we usually start off with...
1: Best line.
0: Yes. Charlie, what's your best line in these last two issues?
2: Okay, so I'm just going to pick one between the two of them. Mm -hmm. I think probably my favorite line is during that conversation that dr strange is having with wanda in the in like the weird space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think it's just oh, man I'm, I'm like oscillating between two and i know that this is like time for me to like just pick one you but can pick two. Uh,
0: yeah we're not gonna stop you
2: yeah i know <laughs> um i i i Well, I'm going to focus on this. And I think it's just the way that it's like framed with like what else is going on when Dr. Strange continually keeps asking her like where, like, what did your father do? Why did he do this? Like where else Charles Xavier? And like Wanda just like complacently like looks at him and just says, he just wanted me to be happy. He wanted all of us to be happy.
0: Oh, that is a really good line.
2: Yeah, I, I think
1: that's, that's it.
0: Christy, what's your favorite line?
1: So my favorite line uh, comes from issue eight in the aftermath where all of the Avengers are gathering and Peter Parker is having his little meltdown hissy fit and like breaks Tony or breaks the table and Tony gets kind of upset about it. And Luke Cage is just like, you'll buy a new one
0: yeah
3: <laughs> like, yeah no, yeah it's no big deal
0: uh, <laughs> uh, my best line is from when the avengers are still at their conference table the new avengers and they're listening to the news because cap asked them to turn the news on and then like I think it's actually supposed to literally be Reverend Stryker, like the X-Men villain, mm-hmm. talking about how it's like their punishment or whatever, and Cap just says, Never mind, turn the idiot off.
1: <laughs> it sounds like something your father would say.
0: That is a hundred percent something <laughs> my father would say if he was like, Oh, turn up that that show and then it's like some pundit from like Fox News. He would just be like, Never mind, turn the idiot off. <laughs> He would do that eye roll, that that mm-hmm. you know, that Dr. Edelman eye roll.
1: <laughs> All right, Chris, do you want to start with your coolest moment?
0: My coolest moment is is the Magneto Rage when this is I'm gonna say a line, but it kind of just describes the moment. He starts like using his magnetic powers to just hurl large chunks of metal at Pietro, and he says, What have you done in my name, boy? And I was just like, Whoa! It was a very cool Mm -hmm. moment for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's also like a guy's like brutally beating his kid. So that's not really great. But it was just like him, like ripping, ripping through and kind of having a Magneto rage moment was was a whole bunch.
1: My, My coolest moment is it. It really is because of the art when or after Hawkeye's shot Wanda and she, you know, her 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 children are the ones getting upset. So to mm-hmm. protect her children, she has to to unmake Hawkeye yep. and his little just that panel of him in the little blocks disintegrating as he's yelling at her. I just is, think is really powerful and cool.
0: That is a cool moment,
1: mm-hmm. Charlie. Well, not to be cliche, but it's got to be no more mutants.
2: Okay. That is that
0: is the that is the moment. <laughs> yeah of I this mean, crossover.
2: Yeah. I think just the panel before that and the actual panel, like it's iconic for a reason. Like the it way that's paced, like the way that it's set up, like the fact that Emma says, "Oh no."
0: Yep. Like she knows what's going to happen. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's yeah. that that's it.
0: Literally just the zoom in on the mouth.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it's very good. Christy, who is the greatest hero of this of these two issues?
1: Okay, the greatest hero I've got to give to Doctor Strange. Because out of all of this, like, he's the only one that's tried a somewhat rational discussion with with Wanda. Which, you know, maybe would have happened if they'd gotten to Genosha a little bit sooner in the first issues. But looking for some sort of resolution here, actually actually doing the work while everybody just is out there punching punching each other. Yes, it's not successful, but it was a very good attempt at a somewhat, maybe potentially positive resolution to this.
0: Well, that was mine as well.
1: Daily Yay. Double!
3: Um,
0: For literally the same reason, but also the bit later where he feels a lot of kind of lament over, like, I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. This is literally my yeah. job and I didn't yeah. do it. He gets, like, a series of these in this kind of point in Marvel continuity where he's like, I did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. And uh, some consequences eventually happen. But poor Doctor Strange. He really did try.
1: I feel like that's kind of that's kind of his thing.
3: Yeah. Sometimes
0: he does a really good job.
3: Mm -hmm. It's
0: interesting because like in his early appearances he was like he like always had it. Like Mm. it was never a problem for him. Charlie, who do you think the greatest hero is? Well,
2: I'm gonna have to go with the same one you guys
1: did. Yay!
0: Uh, there's no with, such, Daily Triple? There's no,
2: no <laughs> we,
1: we didn't come up with a good name for it last time. You told me I could call Tri- it like a, like a turkey. I think not wanted to call it
2: a turkey, like
1: in bowling.
2: Well, I just and said Triple Triad, that. like in, like in the weird, like bad card Fantasy game, 8? Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Um, but no, I agree with all of that. I think Doctor Strange is the only one that like feels any sort of, sort of guilt. Mm-hmm. Over the fact that he can't help Wanda who he cares about.
0: Yeah, I think not
2: that. just the fact that he failed and these this everything happened to mutants. I think he's the only one that shows genuine like care towards her. Um, which maybe isn't fair, but I think that's the only thing that's illustrated in the book.
0: Yeah, that it is textually what we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy, I'm gonna go first and say Wanda's weird kids. <laughs> uh, there's not really a good like a villain in this per se like we can't say like dr doom's a real goofball yeah no um but it's like they're they're the creepiest part of this crossover for me so i'm calling them the villains yeah, even
2: creepier when you think about the fact that they were real boys and then apparently wanda just did this to them it's i
0: will worse. turn you into a small bowl cut child
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> you will be happier as an i two identical bowl cut children They are
1: twins, canonically.
0: Just one has white
1: hair and one doesn't. Alright, Charlie, you're silly villainy. (laughs) This is gonna sound callous.
0: But it's it's hard not
1: to
3: in these two issues.
2: Yeah. When Magneto's on Genosha at the very end in issue 8, and he's trying to bend the fork. (laughs) It is so
0: sad, but also how long did he crawl around before he found that fork?
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, what does a fork just do?
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh. My Pressure Creole Award for Silly Villainy goes to Wanda's body double
0: oh she just like she just makes a cube person to hang out
1: like you mean she's like i never leave the kids i i I just make a body you know when my dad needs it for appearances and she's like do i need to make another one did i upset
0: anybody that was was pretty good yeah i like that that was the one that wore the like the like headdress with the coins over the eyes and Uh now it makes sense because she doesn't need to see and then Mom, Mom Wanda is just wearing lots of flowing things, much as much as you do when you're doing mom stuff, Christy. Mm-hmm. You just wear flowing things,
1: yeah, long <laughs> flowing. I, yeah, is it, a, is it a nightgown? Is it just it looks
2: like an? It looks like a nightgown. It looks like one of those like really nice nightgowns you like put on, like maybe if you were going to have like a like a day spa treatment or like or royalty of some sort,
0: right? You know. Readers, by the way, if you couldn't tell my sarcasm, Christy's kind of a PJ pants and, and shirt kind of kind of when she's doing the mom slumming it. Yeah. Well, now
2: I'm just now I just need to buy Christy like a long flowing robe to obviously wear around the house
0: to <laughs> so just wear around the house when you're doing yeah. mom stuff. Um. Well, I guess that wraps up our coverage of House of M. So, readers, next next session. Uh, Which will hopefully be two weeks after this, but we're not holding our breath because we have an entire comic book convention between then and now. Mm -hmm. We will do our best. (laughs) But we're going to be covering Chaos War, which is a Marvel crossover about gods doing god stuff. What is that? It spawned out of um, Incredible Hercules, which was one of my very favorite books when it was coming out. So I'm pretty excited about it. This was suggested by by one Zachary Jenkins, and I of decided course. to listen to him.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, I
1: was very excited to learn about this uh, when I read my Twitter. Yeah,
0: it's very
1: like, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, mm, this, is just, this is just like, <laughs> you know what? Mm, we're doing this one.
0: <laughs> yep, this one. <laughs> Sorry, did you want to do like maximum security or? No, you
1: don't. Just don't let me pick things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you picked one crossover, and it was very good.
1: I very much enjoyed it, but afterwards, I was like, "Yeah, this probably isn't like the crossover that anybody thinks of when they think about important crossovers to cover."
0: Phalanx Covenant is definitely the Covenant. One.
1: Just, just would have dialed it back a couple of years.
2: Oh, we got covered an executioner, executioner song. song. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's a big one.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was a lot
3: of fun.
0: Yeah. yeah, and speaking of a lot of fun, Charlie, you were so much fun to have as a solo guest. Uh, this is this is your first solo solo guest on this program. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
2: Thank you guys for having me and tolerating my bad jokes and
1: listening to me talk about the things that I always talk about. <laughs> yeah, can you tell us where to find you on the internet?
2: Yes, you can find me personally at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, where I do reviews. For WMQ Comics, most of the time, some other outlets too, Um, you can find my writing and my work over on my Twitter. I have it pinned up on my pinned tweet, and I just talk about garbage. (laughs) 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 Currently, I've been live tweeting these 90s commercials I've been watching. You can find my podcast I do with my partner Mikey and our friend Reed, the Young Ones over at Young Ones Cast on Twitter, and we have usually bi-weekly episodes right now we're covering we're starting to cover Jason Aaron's run on Wolverine and the X-Men so that will be a fun little ride to go through it's my um, favorite comic
0: <laughs> <laughs> the
1: faces Chris is making
0: right we, we're so not pandering to,
2: we weren't pandering to you Chris but if you want to believe that you go right ahead <laughs>
0: oh I definitely will
2: and if you want I have some copies available of Uh, My cookbook of Mikey and I created called The Guide to Exceptional Baking. You can find it at X-Men Baking Zine on Twitter. I have a link to the store where you can purchase a copy if you would like and miss the Kickstarter. It's fun. It's good. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. That's all I got.
0: If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Chris's Pod. We are also that on Facebook.
1: You can email us at chris's on earths at gmail.com.
0: We always appreciate your five-star reviews on your iTunes and your Stitcher. And I think you can review on Spotify now. Um, we also have a Kofi page if you would like to give us a donation. If you like the show and think it deserves a coffee's worth of, of dollars or mm-hmm. an increment of a coffee's worth of dollars, you can find us at www.ko-fi.com slash Chris's on Infinite Earths.
1: I think we've been uh, delinquent on sharing a Facebook review that we've gotten by somebody who has also given us an iTunes
3: review. Um, Okay,
0: we should. How generous. I know, it was very generous of them. We have a review from Chris Osborne, who recommends us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris and Christy do a wonderful job making these crossovers accessible to people just starting out, but also have great knowledge nuggets for people who who are already into the stories. Plus, they're just good people. Well, thank you, Chris Osborne. So are you. you.
1: <laughs> We're gonna be recording with him in not too long. Uh
0: next week actually. hmm
1: So yep. you yeah, you can
0: find look us for at for Play a... comics. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh also for readers who will be at uh C2E2, you can see all of the members of <laughs> this particular episode.
2: Yes. yes you can. We will
0: all be there likely in close proximity. Yes. You can definitely say hi to me.
1: You can recognize me because I will be in my Spider-Woman cosplay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christy, you're the uh,
2: bravest woman I know because you're doing the cosplay and I couldn't even put my wherewithal together to attempt the same kind of thing. So
1: <laughs> it wouldn't be happening if I hadn't had already had it made years ago. <laughs> 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 oh. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. You can catch me uh,
2: standing next to either one of them and probably <laughs> weeping over the art I will receive. Oh yes. yeah,
0: there's so many good artists. It's going to be a blast. Uh, we hope to see some of you at the show. It'll... Yeah, say hi. Yeah, definitely. Charlie, thank you again for coming on the program. We absolutely appreciate it and it's always a delight to talk to you.
2: Anytime, guys. Thank you. And until next time,
0: slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.